Welcome to First Laughs, the show about starting out, standing up. I'm Jason Crane. On this episode, open up. It's the police. Recently, I told certainly the most revealing and risque is is that a word anybody under 90 even uses i don't know anyway the most revealing and risque story on stage i've ever told and i thought it went pretty well actually i was happy with it even though i was mostly improvising as i went along i had told the story in kind of a bare bones form to a friend uh the night before and she laughed and so I thought, all right, I think this is a story that I can that I can tell on stage and it'll be funny. But then as I was driving to the gig, I was thinking, which was about 40 minutes away, I was thinking, I think I think more needs to be in this story. The story is completely factually true. I didn't add I didn't add any things that happened in the story for the bit. I just tried to enhance some of the descriptions and and maybe maybe stretch or emphasize some of the things that I was thinking while the thing was happening. Anyway, you're you're going to hear it in just a second. I I realized a few things about the story uh after I told it and I'll tell you what those things are after you hear it. And of course there's some other bits in here too. I um I I did a few other things at this show and both before and after the story. Uh so here goes. This is recorded uh at an Elks Lodge in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yes. I'm I'm on the rocket to stardom as Lenny Bruce would say. Uh here it is. Tabletop down, laughs are up. We are going to have a fabulous time tonight. Greg Beccarello is here, straight in from Vegas, just flew in yesterday. Greg Beccarello is here. Woo! And to get things started, a very funny fellow. You might have seen him all over the country on TV and radio. Please give a warm welcome for your MC tonight, Jason Crane. Jason. Well, that'll be quickly. Clap for me. Clap for our middle-aged fat guy. Oh, yeah. Hi, Lockhaven. This is not my first time in your beautiful Elks Lodge. And, uh, uh-oh. And in honor of Babe Ruth, I had uh, 41 whiskeys and two whole chickens before I came out here on stage tonight. Let's hear it for the Babe. Were the Babe actually here, you wouldn't be able to hear a thing that was happening. So I'm, uh, I'm 41. Round of applause, people in their 40s and above. 40s and above. Oh, wow. That's nice, we got a senior citizen crowd tonight, that's great. So I don't know about you, but as soon as I hit my 40s, I just started swelling. Like, I used to have both a head and a neck, and now with the definition between those things, I got kind of like a Ned or a heck going on. I took a selfie of myself this morning when I was looking down, and it was like I had a, a scarf on. It's getting a little terrifying. I'd like to thank my mom for coming right in the front. She's really enjoying the show already. Mom's also a big Babe Ruth fan. She had another 41 whiskeys while I was drinking. 
Thanks a lot. It means a lot to me that you're here, Mom. It's great to see you. Speaking of sweet old ladies, I uh, I work in a in a bookstore because my life's going really well, and uh, I was in this bookstore the other day, and this very sweet old lady, she was about this tall. Uh, she was probably 115 years old, and she came up to me and she asked for the science fiction section. And while we were walking over there, she put her arm in mine, and we walked. It took about half an hour to get over to the science fiction section. And she looked up at me and she said, uh, "I just moved here from Bisbee, Arizona, and I hate to tell you this, but..." And she looked me up and down. There's a lot of fat people in Central Pennsylvania. She's dead now. She's in the science fiction section under a pile of books. No one's going to move for months. She's well insulated. It'll be fine. I, uh, I live in a college town, and, uh, and I'm single. I'm 41 and single. And so dating is very difficult, because in a college town, the average age is like 13. And I don't even have a van. By the way, I got an unused bag of lollipops back in the green room, so if anyone needs one. Now look, I'm gonna, normally you know, you're not supposed to do this when you're a professional comedian, but I'm going to tell you a story I have never told before because it just happened to me three days ago, and it's, uh, well, well, let's just do it. So three days ago, can I tell you a story about me having sex with someone? No. No? Let's go right ahead and do it. Thank you. I'm telling it right for that guy right there. The loudest no. So three days ago, I, w I was having sex with someone in the afternoon. Like you do. Or like I have done once. And she was very, very... Yes, I know my mom's here. And it was not my mom, I swear to God. She was very, very loud. Like, like not just loud, but like the kind of loud where while you're having sex, like every couple minutes I was thinking, like, is there somebody under the bed stabbing her? Or is this just from what I'm doing? She was really, really screaming. And it was the first warm day, and so the, the windows were open. Which was stupid, right? I mean, I should have known better. I've had sex like three or four times before. I should have thought to look for the windows. She was really, really screaming. So we finished, and we're lying there, you know, naked and sweaty, and we hear... Now I figure it's it's like the time that the mail normally comes. It's probably just like the mailman or the UPS guy with a package to see if I'm home. So we ignore it. We both look at each other, and then we hear, "Please open up." <laughs> and so, I swear to God, this is true. It happened. It happened three days ago on Tuesday. So I get up, and I, I mean, I'm naked. I've never had the police come to my house before, despite how good I am in bed. I'm naked, you know, completely naked, she's completely naked. And I said, I think you should put your clothes on because I may have to prove that you're alive a couple seconds from now. So I go to the door and there are three big police officers standing at the door. And the, you know, all buzz cuts, they're like, these are young guys too, so it hasn't set in yet. They're like muscle, they, you know, they're they're still like trainee type police officers. Three, you know, they've got guns. I open the door, one guy's got his hand on his pistol, and then there's two guys behind him. Seconds ago, I was doing something completely different. Like, this is a rude awakening after sex. And so I open the door, and he says, uh, yeah, we heard a report there was screaming coming from this apartment. And I said, 
yeah, I said, yeah, there was. I'm sorry. We were having sex, and the windows are open. And uh, he said, well, can we see her? <laughs> and so and I wasn't sure if it was a rating system they had or if he just wanted to prove. So she comes walking out. And I have, uh, because I live alone, and this is what guys' apartments are like to be alone, I have a big movie screen in my apartment, a projector screen, because I really like movies. She sticks her head out from behind the screen. She is fully clothed, but it looks like you know she's hiding the bruises or something. She sticks her head out from behind the screen. The cop who's in the doorway gives her like a thumbs up and a raised eyebrow. You know, are you okay? She gives him a thumbs up back. And as soon as she gives him the thumbs up, he just bursts out laughing. And the other two cops burst out laughing. He says, "This is okay. I don't think we're going to need to take any names on this one." And away they go. Now I have to say, I don't know if you've ever caused a woman to have an orgasm such that it brings three police cars to your house. But I just want to point out that I am in fact single, and that for the rest of the show I'm going to be sitting right in the back. And if there's not a line, I don't know what else I can do for you people. The, uh, I'm a, I, as you can tell, I'm spy. I don't know if you can tell this way, but you can definitely tell this way that I'm a little bit overweight. Right? Like from the side, I should be picking out names at this point. I should have a room painted in a neutral color, maybe. And I do. Speaking of sex, my cats really don't like sex at all. I'm super gentle with them. No, I'm kidding. They like it rough. <laughs> but the, how I know that my cats are you know, probably maybe Puritans. I don't know. Maybe they're evangelical Christians. I'm not sure. My cats, though, my cats make their displeasure known. They will pee on the shoes of any woman who comes over and spends the night at my house. They won't pee on my shoes, but they will pee on the shoes of any woman. Now, that's met with a kind of stony silence. Normally at this point, after I tell this little joke, which apparently isn't actually a joke based on your reaction, but normally after I tell this joke, I say, are you, are, are you having a hard time believing that my cats pee on a woman's shoes or that there's a pair of women's shoes in my apartment for the cats to pee on? But I just told you this amazing story about my sexual prowess, and I feel like you should be following me this far at this point in my set. My cats, uh, my cats about two weeks ago peed on my Star Wars pajamas. I just want to point out again that I was having sex with a human woman just a couple days ago. I got these Star Wars pajamas as a present, and not in 1977, and they just still happened to fit. I got them this year from my parents. I'm 41 years old, and my parents gave me for Christmas a pair of Star Wars pajamas. Actually, if we're being technical about it, half a pair, just the pants of a pair of Star Because apparently they don't have third trimester size Star Wars pajamas for men. And those Star Wars pajamas are gone now because of my two bastard cats. If I can't, if I'm not going to have sex, can't I at least enjoy a movie in comfortable Star Wars pajamas? Is the question I'm asking of my cats. The uh, by round of applause, how many people are here at a comedy show for the first time? All right, now wait a minute. So by round of applause, how many people have been to a comedy show before? Lockhaven, how is that possible? That's awesome. Well, you are in for an amazing comedy show tonight. We have got just an incredible, incredible bill for you. First, though, to practice the clapping thing, clap for me because I was just hilarious. 
Thank you. Thank you. My cousin is here in the back. That's fabulous. It's nice. It's a family affair. And that's what I'm all about. So we have an incredible bill for you tonight. You're here, and you're so lucky to be here tonight. Two incredible comedians. Uh, the very first one I had the pleasure of uh, riding up here with, hearing lots of great comedy stories with. Uh, you have probably seen her on Comedy Central. Many people know her from IMS in the Morning. Would you please give an enormous Lock Haven welcome to Kara Foster. Kara Foster, let her hear it! So there you have it. A very recently recorded stand-up. Now, in listening back to the recording afterward, and actually, I think if I'm being honest, probably even while I was on stage, I realized that the story is probably strong enough to end with. And, and in fact, that what I did after it wasn't very strong. Um, people were laughing the most during the story thing. Other than maybe, I think the cat's line is after it or something. But but for the most part, the the, the sex story was the strongest thing I did. And I think with a good enough ending, and I'm not sure if that's the I'll be in the back, you know, thing or not. I'm not a professional, so that was the sound of my phone, because, you know, I've only recorded like 500 podcasts in my life. I couldn't remember to turn my phone off. Um, hi, Sarah. Uh, but anyway, I think it probably either needs a stronger ending as a piece, and it needs to be the last thing in the set, because I think it would flow naturally into, you know, I'll be in the back, and now your next comic. I think that would all work. So I'll probably give that a shot. Um, I I think I might try to add some more elements into the story. And I think the weakest part of it was when the, the cops actually showed up. I had the least to say there. Um, or, you know, once, once I opened the door and the police were standing there, I, I kind of feel like there was the least amount of funny there. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to work on that a little bit. And I'll probably, although I don't really have another stand-up show till the end of May because the season for the club that I'm in is essentially over and it doesn't start again till 2016. So I'm going to be struggling with figuring out how to get stand-up opportunities over the next eight months or whatever that is. Uh, because, you know, stand-up is a muscle like anything else. And if you don't exercise it, it just goes away. And I'm so early in this whole process that I'm scared of it already decaying because it's not that strong yet. But anyway, oh, I want to tell you one other thing, too. Um, this weekend, I went to New York City this past weekend, and I saw the comedian, British comedian Simon Amstel, A-M-S-T-E-L-L. -L. First of all, I cannot recommend him highly enough. Uh, if you go on YouTube, there's some of his stuff up there. And he's just he's just brilliant. And one of the things I found most inspiring about him was he was talking about real things. I still think my act is pretty hacky and and not not really talking about anything that I particularly care about or that means anything. Um, and I noticed that, you know, comedians at kind of at about the level I'm working at are mostly talking about pretty safe stuff and not anything that's all that interesting, really. A lot of it is funny, but afterwards it's nothing you can even remember, let alone causes you to think. And when I saw Simon this weekend, I was reminded that it is possible and most of my heroes did this, to do stand-up at an extremely high level. And also to do stand-up that really talks about real things, you know? I mean, stuff that really, really matters. And I want to do that a lot. I still didn't silence my goddamn phone. <laughs> I swear to God. 
it's it's amazing it's really it's really incredible that that i'm a functioning human being in society at all but anyway the point was that i really if i'm gonna do stand-up i it needs to be about more than what i'm doing right now and so i'm gonna work on that too uh now i just need a venue because there's no place to do stand-up for the next eight months except for two shows in may and I live in central Pennsylvania. So, you know, God bless. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Come back next time. Uh, we'll talk some more about comedy. And I've, I've plugged this interview with Marianne Sirk for weeks now. And I keep doing my own stand-up on the podcast instead. Uh, but since I don't have any more shows before the next episode comes out, next time you'll definitely hear an interview with Marianne Sirk unless something else comes up. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>